You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to Collective Cafe To Go. This is the podcast version of the Collective Cafe. Now, the Collective Cafe happens every single weekday, Monday through Friday, from 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in Alpha Collective's Discord server, discord.gg forward slash alpha collective. It is free. It always will be free. There are no strings. There is no bait and switch. If you like to listen live and even participate, come onto stage, comment in our back chat, you can do that. Whether you're on the treadmill, getting the kids ready for school, getting yourself ready for work, commuting into the big bad city, or maybe just even commuting from your bedroom into your home office. On Monday, we manifest. On Tuesday, we talk thought leadership. On Wednesday, we have guests take the stage, almost like an open mic. On Thursday, we do live book reads and discussions. And then on Friday, it's No Agenda Friday, where there is no agenda. Start your day off on the right foot, on the front foot, with virtual coffee, with the Collective Cafe, where we mastermind, we manifest, we collaborate, we help one another at the business of Web3 or anything else that intersects, whether it's culture, collaboration, creativity, innovation, disruption. So give us a subscribe if you're listening on the podcast or come and attend one day. Remember, it is a safe, welcoming space and you will never, ever be put on the spot. This is the Collective Cafe to go. Well, good morning. Good morning. It is May 9th. 8.01 8.01 a.m. Uh, Rini, you're becoming the, a regular. I love it. I love it. It's actually, it's, you know, this is the point. It's kind of addicting, addicting, addictive. Um, and, you know, there was a long time that I was part of another community. Uh, it's a, a story worth telling you over stiff drinks. And, uh, but, but I was getting up seven days a week at five. Um, it was five Eastern, and there were even uh, insane people that would um, that would log on at two a.m. and three a.m. Mountain and Pacific time. Um, it was actually like a really special time, five a.m. in the morning for me. Uh, it was quiet. It was my time, and uh, I would sit downstairs. It was dark, you know, in the middle of winter or even summer. Summer, I'd go sit outside even. And um, and there were no emails and I'd multitask on the phone. Um, occasionally, I would, uh, I mean, more than occasionally, I would contribute and I would talk, uh, just depending on where I was. Obviously, I didn't want to wake up anyone, but if I was in an area where I could talk, I would. And uh, it was very special and I kind of missed I miss it now. I miss the 5 a.m. slot, if you will. These days, I kind of wake up at about 5.15, 5.20. It's still a bit of muscle memory. Um, but I kind of just don't feel like... The, I don't feel like the day is as productive as it once was. Now, it's a different type of productivity, um, 8 to 9. I mean, most people are still aren't even starting their day until 9.00. I've, I have, I mean, I've got content. I can basically, uh, with a little bit of help, I can basically put out an article every single day based on the Collective Cafe, which is unbelievable. Um, with a little bit of help of, of a virtual assistant uh, or an intern or ChatGPT, and or, and or, and or ChatGPT, um, it's amazing to see what's possible. Yesterday, um, uh, the whole story about Pepe, um, you know, branding useless, um, branding money. These are, these are great. I mean, honestly, like in my entire lifetime, in my entire career, um, these are these are worthy conversations. These are meaty conversations. These are conversations that I would have, 
enjoyed when I was in the agency world, you know, in a in a planning meeting or a, or a brainstorming session. And now we get to do this here. Um, and so there's lots of possibilities now being able to kind of engage others like us, uh, people that want the stimulation, people that want the connection, people that want um, the insights. And maybe that's the basis that we build this thing on. So just something to think about. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit today about it's it's Thought Leadership Tuesday. So I kind of tend from a compartmentalization standpoint. You know, I tend to try and and uh, if I can push things like you know for Wellness Wednesday, whether it's mental health or mental wellness, things about personality and you know and um, motivation. We push that off to tomorrow. I was thinking tomorrow of talking a little bit about this idea of, um, you know, what do you do when you've done everything you can in the world and it's still not enough? How do you kind of reconcile that? And, you know, the backdrop of it is my event is tomorrow. Um, You know, there's a certain degree of anxiety. Uh, How many people will show up? You know, it comes back to like being that, you know, overweight child and have throwing a birthday party and and just wondering if anyone's actually going to show up. Um, there's always that anxiety. That you, I mean, it's with you every day of your life, right? It's with you even in the morning here when when I start and you know just seeing one face in the audience. Now there are two and building, building, building. It's a great feeling, you know. It's it's a great feeling knowing you're not alone. Um, and uh, and then every time you hit another milestone, it's a different kind of feeling. It hits differently. It feels different. Um, and it's and it's a great feeling. Um, so today, um, what we're going to do is I put in the chat, I saw this uh, on um, on uh, LinkedIn, pulled it off, um, I just liked, it was very visual, um, and it was called um, Leaders Who Deliver Versus Leaders Who Destroy. And, you know, I found it very interesting that, that, this person or this chart, I think it says data source, vengage.com, infographic design. I can barely read it. I'm getting old. Um, that the words deliver and destroy juxtaposed against each other are unusual. Um, and that got my attention because you would think you would think that the better description would be leaders who create versus leaders who destroy. Or leaders who like is deliver the is the opposite of deliver destroy. It isn't right. Is the opposite of destroy deliver? Um, you know, surely the it, leaders who de- the opposite of leaders who deliver are leaders who don't. Right? There's leaders who talk versus leaders who walk. Right? There are the pe- the the ones who deliver are the ones that that maybe uh, fulfill their promises. Uh, whereas leaders who, in this case, destroy are ones who don't. So I thought that that was an interesting um, first port of call, first just you know d- discussion. How do we reconcile? Why why is why is non delivery essentially destruction? I mean, can we make the case? Sure, we can make the case very easily, right? If you don't deliver on your promises, on your commitments. Uh, on your mandate, then you are destroying, you're destroying, you're breaking trust, you're destroying culture, camaraderie, you're destroying lives and livelihoods. When you miss your goals, people are going to get laid off. Um, So there is a destruction. Maybe it's a good thing to be able to say the opposite of delivery is destruction because you are destroying the brand. You are destroying, um, you know, you are destroying... Uh, maybe legacy that has come before you. Um, I'm still not entirely convinced. I wonder, you know, if you're in the uh, in the audience, what your thoughts are on this juxtaposition. I'll come back and I'll check the chat uh, at some point and 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 see whether you are on board with delivery versus destruction. Um, but you know. A dist- you can be a destructive person, right? You can be a destructive leader, um, but you know someone. But you can't be a deliverable leader. You can't be a delivery leader. I think you would be maybe uh, termed to be reliable, consistent. Um, you know, someone who 
delivers on their promises is is uh, is reliable, and maybe or predictable. Maybe not predictable, but reliable. And reliability is something that I think I think we can, it's like don't knock reliability. Don't knock someone who is reliable. Who who when they say they're going to do something, they do it. And maybe they do it quickly, and maybe they do it even better than you thought. Because you can still, you know, reliability, it almost feels vanilla. It doesn't feel like that's something that you want to um, interview for. You know, when you're looking at a candidate, you might ask them about their ability to deliver, their their ability to execute. Um, but would you really ask someone, are you reliable? I mean, can you, first of all, how do you answer that? No, I'm not reliable. No, no one's going to say that. Uh, I'm not consistent. No one's going to say that. So what we do is we basically say, you know, do you do what you say? Do you deliver on your promises? Um, which implies reliability. So reliable leaders uh, versus destructive leaders versus ones that are not predictable, that are not, you know, I, I look, I think you can be. I think you can be a. Um, I think you can be an unpredictable leader who delivers, and I think you can be an unpredictable leader who destroys. I think predictability is predictability is a powerful attribute. However, um, I think sometimes you do want um, a bit of unpredictability in your leaders. You know, to to be that. Um, you know, to be that mercurial leader, you know, is is Elon Musk reliable? Is he is Elon Musk predictable? He's certainly not predictable. Is any great leader, visionary, predictable? Not at all. Not at all. Predictability is what you want from people that report into the leader. So I'm okay to give you someone, I'm okay for a leader who delivers to be somewhat unpredictable. Because it opens the door for surprise and delight. It opens the door um, for um, to bring in something new, something unplanned for us, to be able to adapt, to be agile. All of these things, to me, uh, are powerful attributes of leaders who deliver. So I thought what we would do today is kind of go through this list. And obviously, at any point in time, if you want to comment on the idea of destroy versus deliver or <clears throat> anything that I've said, put it in the chat or, you know, raise your hand and come up. Uh, if you are uh, reading as, as one of our new, hopefully regulars, um, I did, I, I never, you know, like you may not just be a morning person at some point. Uh, hopefully we turn you into one. Um, <clears throat> but one of the things that we do here is <clears throat> if you look uh, at roles, for example, your role is role of visitor. Um, but Christopher and and Bez, they are not uh, members of Alpha Collective. They're not full members. And, and I think they have the entry-level mint, although it doesn't say that on there. I don't know if they verified or validated that, but I'm pretty sure they both have it. But you will notice they both have a role that says barrister. Ryan, in a coffee shop, you, you want a barrister. Barristers are our regulars. Uh, barrister is someone who um, can be a member of Alpha Collective or doesn't have to be a member of Alpha Collective, but because they are regulars, we give them the barrister role, which means that they can come up to stage uh, at any point they want. They don't have to necessarily raise their hand. Uh, and I believe that they... I don't know if they have the ability to start a coffee. I don't think they do, um, but I'm not sure. Um, now, Jenso just came in. She, You can see her roles when you click on them. Uh, she is an entry member, so she has verified her entry-level uh, pass, the, the blue NFT. And you see how, how beautiful it is. Praxima just came in. Uh, he is barrister and entry-level. So it's amazing how um, Discord has given us the ability to you know, to slice and dice and, and create these different tiers and roles and permissions, etc. So I just wanted to kind of give you that sense. So let's go into it uh, and, and, and talk about it. Uh, by the way, breaking news, my son made his flight. 
Um, and uh, so uh, he said, made it. Uh, holy shit, gate was insanely far. My leg is uh, a bad word as well. Shame he hurt his leg um, in, uh, in playing pickup um, soccer as well. Um, so I'm just going to ask him, um, did you get chosen? Interesting thing, by the way, is like, you know, when, when, uh, when American airlines or any airline, I suppose, when they're overbooked, they give you these options, which is to basically choose if you want, um, if you want to, um, you know, miss your flight, give up your seat and then essentially, you know, they, they compensate you. Well, I've never seen today he had options of six hundred dollars, seven fifty, nine hundred, and eleven fifty. I've never seen such uh, a lot of. Uh, um, he said his boarding, which is kind of great because I want him to come home. Um, but uh, he chose nine hundred today. I, I would have chosen less if he, you know. I said, listen, dude, you can get from Miami to London and go see a football match uh, for seven hundred and fifty dollars round trip. So, like, you know, it's one of those, like, gamified choices that you have, right? Which, which is if he had chosen $600, he almost certainly, he would have had a much better chance of being chosen and then he would have been bumped to the next flight. Um, but he, I think he did the right thing by choosing 900 simply because um, he, he was motivated. He wanted to come home. There's a Champions League football match. You know, it's the end of his year. Uh, his his sophomore year, he wants to come home, and I and so he went with the nine hundred, and uh, it didn't come through. Um, but it's a win win. So anyway, uh, you get like a little bit of uh, updated uh, family dynamics. Um, but let's go into um, the chart, and I'm just going to go through it one by one, and occasionally I'll just look to see if you have any thoughts or any comments. Uh, leaders who deliver versus leaders who destroy. So the first one is leaders who deliver share the maximum information they can. Leaders who destroy share the minimum information they can get away with. Um, so this idea of, of, of abundance versus scarcity, um, this idea of need to know, um, of holding your cards close to your chest um, versus being able to um, really kind of create uh, transparency, uh, open book, um, and um, and you know, and and bringing people into the tent versus keeping them on the outside looking in. Um, I think we've seen leaders who are very selective with their time, and leaders who are very generous with their time. But what about information? Now, the thing is, of course, what we've learned in life is you certainly can overshare. Um, which can be a bad thing, right? I mean, leaders who deliver uh, sharing the maximum amount of information they can, you still have to be, you know, somewhat selective. You still have to be somewhat strategic. Um, you, you know, you certainly don't. Th- this is the. This is. There's a bit of a catch twenty two here, right? Which is, um, I've been, you know, and 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 Bez and Christopher are kind of, you know, uh, resident. Uh, HR and talent uh, experts as well. Like we've seen some examples, I think even recently, of leaders who basically say, um, "I'm trying to think of who it was, but I just saw it saying you might want to start thinking about updating your resume and and um, looking for you know and and starting to look for some positions because there are going to be layoffs approaching." Like that's an interesting example of a leader who would share maximum amount of information. We're going to give you the heads up. Yeah, we know it could backfire on us, which is there could be not mutiny, but everyone could just resign. There could be chaos, pandemonium, right? But the ability to say there are going to be some layoffs and you may want to start thinking about kind of, uh, you know, interviewing elsewhere. I mean, that's, that, is that brave? Is that courageous? Is that a leader who delivers? Um, I like that approach, you know, as opposed to what we've seen is um, kind of some of the opposite. The case with, uh, I think it was Herman Miller and that awful example was at monday.com um, of, of leaders who let people know that they're being laid off on a Zoom call. 
you know, and and then saying I promised I wasn't going to cry, which is like you're crying, I'm crying, you bastard. Um, so I think that's an interesting example to start off with, right? The maximum amount of information they can. And, and I think also it gets into this idea of early and often, right? Uh, there's the, the quantity of information. There's the frequency that that information is shared. Um, and then and, and also the timing of that information, right? Because you also don't want to dump all the amount of information you can at a point when it's too late in the game. Whereas a leader who destroys in this case is someone who shares the minimum information they can get away with. So they're doing the bare minimum. Um, and I'm sure you can make a case for and, and when that makes sense, you know, to share the minimum information. I'm, I'm sure there are some good cases. Uh, making sure that the minimum information is the best information. You know, I mean, if, we, if we're talking about signal and noise, if we want to give, you know, the benefit of the doubt, um, maybe there is some value in not uh, putting too much padding. But for the most part, maximum versus minimum is your first um, item. The second one is is they use their power mindfully and vigilantly versus they use their power thoughtlessly. Now, I mean, this is a very simple point and juxtaposition. You have power when you are a leader. You have power when you have a position of power when you're in authority. When you say things, this is a very hard one, actually, um, because, you know, mindful and vigilant versus thoughtless. Um, the fact is that, you know, this is like, you know, makes me think of like when a parent says to their child, I'm not your friend, right? I'm not your friend. I'm your parent, I mean, we can have an amazing, open, uh, you know, relationship. But I'm not your friend. I'm not your buddy. That's not my role. You know, there are, and the younger the kid, the more important it is to have borders and boundaries and at least, and hierarchies. Now, I'm sure that you could argue the opposite. I'm not fully even convinced with what I just said. Um, because I think you can... As a parent, you know, one thing I've been learning going through, the, going through my own, you know, um, discovery process is the difference um, between, you know, being, um, being the, the autocratic versus the authoritative, or right, the authoritarian, I should say, versus the authoritative. What you want to aim for is authoritative. What you want to move away from is being authoritarian. So I think we all know what not to do, um, but what to do is a little bit more ambiguous, um, for example. And, um, but I think the, the mindfulness is to realize that you do have power. So someone who has power and someone who doesn't have power can say the same thing, but it's going to land differently. You know, if somebody with power suggests something, and they go, but it was just a suggestion, someone who is a subordinate or several levels down is not going to just take that as a, well, it was just a suggestion. If I was you, I would, dot, dot, dot. Well, you know, if it's the boss saying that, um, I think the message is very clear. You better do that. You know, I mean, try and come back with a, with a comeback that says, but you're not me. <laughs> you just made a suggestion that was interesting, but I'm, I still made a different choice. So being thoughtful versus thoughtless um, to me is, a, is, a, is something um, worth discussing and especially in context and parlayed or overlaid with this idea of power. When you recognize you have power, then you know with great power comes great responsibility. So are you using your power thoughtfully Responsive, responsibly, um, vigilantly, also another good word there, vigilant, being vigilant about it, being very mindful, present, aware, self-aware of your impact on others and your influence on others. The third is 
they create conditions for motivation to flourish versus they use pressure, fear, and hierarchy to motivate. Um, this is one that, that's best started on the leaders who destroy. Pressure, fear, and hierarchy to motivate. And the reality, of course, is there's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a trick question here. It's a, because where's the motivation really? Is it really motivation? It's more like coercion. Now, there could be some motivation, right, which is, you know, cage deathmatch, right? Two, two enter, one, one, you know, merges. I keep watching, you know, when I watch Succession and I just think to myself, um, what a miserable bunch of gits. Like, what a miserable group these people are. Their lives must, they're, like, who would want this life? The life of power and and money and status and ego, but it just seems miserable but yet they're highly motivated let's not kid right i think we i think there's there are two parts of a discussion here right one is motivation versus demotivation right are you motivated to act or are you demotivated to act or in this case are you motivated to act in a way that doesn't necessarily build people up it destroys people the zero sum game the results might be there but this is not a meritocracy. This is an autocracy. This is not really uh, a democracy. This is more of an authoritarian state or corporation. So you know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of uh, backing off a, a, a smidge just to say there is motivation both ways, but one motivation is about more inclusivity, and the other one is about X excluding or exclusivity and then the other part of it obviously is this idea of pressure fear you know it's the fud right fear uncertainty and doubt all comes together now throughout this we're probably thinking to ourselves i know leaders just like that i know leaders of nft collections or communities i know leaders former bosses uh maybe i was that leader once upon a time um, so these are all, you know, it's kind of interesting at the end of the day to go through it as a checklist, like take your best boss, take your worst boss, take your super boss, take, you know, a community that you were part of, um, uh, and, and, and then try and just see how that people stacks up, right? Versus they create conditions for motivation to flourish. So it's conditions, it's environment, it's culture. Um, it's, it's purpose. It's an opportunity where motivation is much more natural and organic, like, like a plant versus controlled. A, a, a huge part of this is about control. Let's not kid. So the fourth one is they are obsessed with performance and results. That's the leader who de- delivers versus they are myopically focused on results. This is an interesting one. If, I had, if you weren't looking at the chart and I would have said they are obsessed with performance and results, you might have said, well, that's a leader who destroys. They're so obsessed with KPIs and results. And I think the message here, again, look, I didn't create this. I'm just commenting on it. Doesn't mean it's right. Doesn't mean it's wrong. Doesn't mean I'm right. Doesn't mean I'm wrong. But this idea of being obsessed on performance and results, um, if we're talking about a leader who delivers, certainly this is an accountable leader. This is probably also an accountable leader that is going to take responsibility, personal responsibility. This is someone who says the buck stops here. That even, this is not someone that says, well, I wasn't involved in that decision. Not me. Somebody else is going to be the full guy or girl. Right? What just happened recently with Bud Light, CEO saying, hey, this wasn't me. I didn't know about it. Somebody underneath me, someone who went rogue. But this is talking about performance and results. I don't have a problem. In fact, I, no one should ever have a problem with performance and results. Being obsessed with them? Okay, I might have chosen a different word. 
maybe I would want a bit of clarification, which is hopefully not at the expense of dot, dot, dot. But I suppose juxtaposed with this idea of being myopically focused on results. So we see the word performance is now not there. It's just results, 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 results. You know, outcome versus actually understanding the input and and the process, the journey versus the destination. And, you know, myopically is, I guess, maybe one of the contrasts here is this idea of context too, right? Being able to being able to, um, you know, put it into perspective, right? When the results are not there, how do you react? Who do you give the benefit of the doubt to? How do you course correct? The fifth one out of, out of 10 is they stamp on poor behavior whatever the result, that is a leader who delivers. They stamp on poor behavior, whatever the result, versus they tolerate poor behavior if the result is okay. So now we're talking about poor behavior. This is uh, Machiavelli, right? The means justify the end. No, the end justifies the means, sorry. (laughs) The end, the result justifies the means, which is the behavior, And in this case, there is a zero-tolerance policy towards bad behavior, bad acting, regardless of whether it worked or not, versus the leader who destroys, who will say, look, you got the result, I'm going to give you a pass. I don't know about this one. I mean, I think sometimes um, I, I might, you know, I might flip this one. I might say that I'm not entirely convinced. I might hack this one and um, and play around with it a little bit. This is the, uh, I'd rather beg for forgiveness than ask for permission. Maybe the word poor behavior is, is um, a little, like a red, like a bit of a red herring here. Um, I mean, if we're talking about ethics, if we're talking about... Um, you know, if we're talking about, if we're talking about, yeah, I mean, integrity and ethics. If we're talking about things that are just not part of the corporate culture, okay. Um, but in some cases, somebody, I don't know, I almost feel like there needs to be something in this context about risk, about taking chances, about initiative, about again this idea of benefit of the doubt. That seems to me to be something that I would expect from a leader who delivers versus one who destroys. Um, <clears throat> and, but I guess the point is the contrast is this idea of saying um, the result, the end, will justify the means always if the end is good. What about when the result is not okay? Maybe that's the build here which is, would you tolerate the poor behavior if the result is not okay? So uh, I wonder if maybe the build here is the leader who delivers will stamp on poor behavior, whatever the result, Um, but should the leader who destroys tolerate poor behavior, whatever the result is? There's a double standard, and I think it's worth being able to kind of um, acknowledge that and build on that as well. There's definitely, you know, what I like about this one is that I don't like it, <laughs> which, and that's why I like it, if you know what I'm saying, <laughs> because it's meaty. Um, I can chat. I can think about it. I can, you know, I can build on it. I can hack it. I can disagree with it. I can evolve it. I can revise it or append it as well. I like this one because it's, it's telling me that we need to start thinking about things like risk and forgiveness and initiative. Those, are, those must be part of a discussion about a leader who delivers versus a leader um, who destroys. The next one is they review wins and losses with, all, with uh, equal passion and discipline versus they move on from wins and interrogate 
uh, failures. I mean, this is this is just an important um, trait in general, right? We tend to focus on the negative. We tend to um, overlook the good times and get fixated and 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 depressed and obsessed on the bad times. Um, also, just want to welcome uh, Peggy and Billy here as well. Um, we are discussing um, on Thought Leadership Tuesday this whole um, conversation about leaders who deliver versus leaders who destroy. We started off today just kind of saying it's interesting that these two words are even uh, contrasted against uh, one another. It seems like maybe the opposite of destroy is create, and uh, the opposite of deliver is is non deliver. It just felt like a weird thing, but it's been a nice discussion here. And we're obviously saying, hey, when we talk about leaders, this could be a community that you belong to within Web three. This could be a boss. This could be your best boss, your worst boss. It could be you uh, as well. We could be looking at the leader of the free world. Um, so there are many different ways that we can interpret. Um, as always, you know, if anyone wants to join me as we get on, like towards the end of that, I uh, love your uh, participation. So, you know, there's another interpretation of this idea of um, wins and losses, right? We um, we tend when somebody says you're awesome, you go thanks. When someone goes you suck, you go well, why do I suck, right? When a customer uh, complains, um, that's, you know, that's the kind of thing. It's like DEFCON 1 alarm bells. It escalates to the CEO, the chairman. If it ends up, you know, in the paper, bad news travels faster. Like we tend to obsess on the complaint. But when someone goes, I just want to say that you're awesome, we, we underplay that. We take it for granted. We should celebrate the wins and we should move on from the failures. In fact, the leader who destroys moves on from wins and interrogates failures. We should interrogate wins and move on from failures. That's what we should do. Now, the leader who delivers reviews wins and losses with equal passion and discipline. I'm a different leader, you know. Um, I, I don't know that I'm a delivery leader. I'm certainly not a destructive leader. Maybe I'm a third type of leader. That would clearly have to start with the letter D. You know, um, I'm a leader who disrupts. There you go. I just created it. There are leaders who disrupt, leaders who deliver, and leaders who destroy. Now I have to go and create a whole new column. Uh, maybe you can help me. Maybe ChatGPT will help me. Um, that would be interesting to see if if that, that's an interesting exercise, if anyone wants to take that on as well. But, yeah, I mean, this is the, the story I remember. Was it Ross Bernstein who was on my show and he spoke about this uh, this coach, this amazing um, hockey coach. Um, I think it was. I think it was actually the coach um, that was um, the 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 what was it called? The miracle, um, ah, like you know the 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 Americans who won um, the gold at the Olympics, uh, the ice hockey, the miracle on ice. I think it was known as. It was him, and what he did was generally what would happen is that when you know when teams lost what would happen is the coach would have them on the ice working you know no day off for you you know it was like almost like a punishment that they would be that they would be on the ice uh by the way praxim your code today if you want to jump in is punch um you know and you'll see why so punch is your code uh, not Punch and Judy, but Punch, um, which will be available like 8.55. So I'm not sure if you're still there, but just wanted you to. So so this guy, what he would do is whenever they won a game, he would have them, you know, skating over time and, uh, you know, and, and back on the ice. So he did the opposite. He kind of interrogated the wins and he moved on from the losses instead of punishing them for it. And if you think about it, I mean, people are, from a motivation standpoint, you're down, you lost, you, you know, you weren't on top of your game. Um, rather than just, you know, adding insult to injury, um, sometimes the best thing to do is just say, you know what, take the day off, take the night off. Um, just go and be with your families, kind of, you know, you win some, you lose some, um, come back another day. Um, these are a different leadership technique. Uh, for sure. So I really do love this idea 
of, you know, um, wins and losses, wins and failures. And, and in my particular case, I would say, hey, interrogate the wins and try and replicate them and scale them and move on from the failures. All right, we have four to go. Uh, the next one is a leader who delivers adjusts goals in any direction to ensure they are motivating, whereas a leader who destroys one set, they'll only move goals to make them harder. This is an interesting one. One set, they'll only move goals to make them harder versus a leader who delivers will adjust goals in any direction to ensure they are motivating. So I think I think um, what this does talk to is flexibility, uh, humility, um, the ability sometimes to take a step back. Um, to I mean, the ability to to make a goal easier, I suppose, implies a sense of it, it can be seen as a, as a sign of weakness, which is you know, which is hey, you didn't make, you didn't hit what I thought you would. Um, let's kind of give you, let's give you a little bit of slack, you know, let's kind of, um, I I mean, I think the opposite here could be, or the counter argument might be this idea of if you give someone a finger, they take a hand. If you give someone, uh, the benefit of the doubt, will they take advantage? If you, you know, they can smell your fear, the piranha that, that, that tastes a bit of blood, um, that's probably a very old-fashioned, antiquated way of looking, you know, at the model, as opposed to one that actually is prepared um, to, in this case, dynamically adjust, right? Versus one is static and one is dynamic, right? One is linear and one is nonlinear. One is a straight line forward, without the ability to go backwards, and one is much more um, uh, dynamic in terms of the direction. And, uh, you know, it's, it's funny because I almost see the next icon as being a better icon to be this idea of, of adjusting goals in any direction. Um, so three to go. Um, a leader who delivers talks endlessly about responsibility and a leader who destroys talks endlessly about accountability. Um, you know, they're, they're kind of words that could mean the same. Um, you know, because if you are responsible for your actions, you are accountable for your actions as well, are you not? Um, but I feel like, um, I feel like responsibility, I'm trying to like justify this myself. I'm not sure that I'm completely convinced, to be honest. If you have any thoughts in the audience today about what is the difference between responsibility and accountability, uh, you know, this is one of those things where, as I as I start to you know as I continue to think about like how to use things like ChatGPT you know in in surprising uh, and unexpected ways, uh, this is one of those times where I can just type and I will. Uh, what is the difference between responsibility? It would help if I could type it right and accountability. Um, Let's try that just as a question. So I'm going to read you the answer. Responsibility and accountability are two terms often used interchangeably in common parlance, but they do have distinct meanings, especially in a business or organizational context. Responsibility refers to the tasks or duties that an individual is expected to carry out. It's about obligations and expected actions. For instance, a project manager has the responsibility to manage a project's timeline, allocate resources, and ensure the team is working effectively. Accountability, on the other hand, is about ownership and consequences. It refers to an individual's obligation to answer for the outcomes of the task for which they are responsible. Accountability cannot be delegated. It stays with the person who has been assigned the task. Using the same example, the project manager would be accountable for the success or failure of the project. In short, responsibility is about the duties you're assigned, while accountability is about being answerable for the results of those duties. While everyone in a team or an organization can have responsibilities, accountability often lies with the person in charge or the one who has been given a particular task or project. That helps me a lot, actually, 
because you see again this idea of static versus dynamic, you see absolute versus relative, you see team versus individual, you see journey versus destination. Um, there's a lot going there, right? There's a lot that talks about the, you know the result, the end justifies the means versus the means themselves. Um, so yeah, that that definitely definitely helps me uh, understand. And of course, you know, accountability, responsibility is connected to accountability. They're not the same thing. So responsibility is definitely the first part of the conversation, whereas accountability is the second part. And a very much, it's very binary, right? It's it's not really ambiguous at all. All right, so two left. The leader who delivers are mindful when using their power, and the leader who destroys are frightened of losing their power. So this one's a very, very clear one. Remember earlier we spoke about they use their power mindfully and, and vigilantly versus they use their power thoughtlessly. So you've got the leader who destroys who uses their power thoughtlessly and are frightened of losing their power. This is very much about hierarchy. This is very much about insecurity. This is very much about paranoia. This is very much about this idea of letting go of control. This is a huge one. And one might just say, when you are obsessed with all of these things, you are in a destructive mindset. You are not creating, you are destroying. You are stuck. You are unable to let go for fear of being diminished, for fear of what might happen if you show that element of vulnerability, of being able to share that power. You know, it's one of those times when, like often when, when uh, you know, th- there's no point in asking a question if you really don't care what the answer is or if you're not prepared to actually execute on that, on whatever that answer is. If you ask someone a question, if you say like even something as innocuous, which is, would you like to go for uh, Italian or, uh, you know, well, it would be like, what would you like to eat for dinner? Where would you like to go for dinner? And, and, and someone says sushi and you go, well, I was actually hoping for Italian or French. Well, you didn't ask that question. So when you ask the question, would you like Italian or French? Well, at least you have a better chance of someone saying one of the two. But what if they say neither? When you ask a question, are you prepared for the answer, especially if the answer is not one that you would that you were expecting or welcome or agree with? And so this idea of giving up in order to gain, you give up power in order to gain trust. You give up, you share in the decision making, recognizing that the decision may not always go your way. Look, I struggled. I might have been a leader who destroyed when I started Alpha Collective, when I had all these co-founders. Maybe because I was, you know, when the consensus was not my consensus, was different to my vision, I couldn't deal with it. I don't know if that was uh, fear of losing power. Maybe it was just fear of losing a vision. But there was fear involved. And I'd much rather be mindful than mindless. I'd much rather be mindful than fearful. So whether it's losing their power or sharing their power or just dealing with outcomes that might not gel with your original vision, first of all, first and foremost, is accepting the possibility, accepting the possibility that the feedback, that the outcome, that the consensus that isn't yours might be actually a better outcome. So that's growth. That's you know, that's vulnerability, that's mindfulness, that's everything, that's all of the above. And that's hard, but by giving up and losing a little bit, why are you losing the power anyway? You're sharing the power. You are giving up some of that power in order to actually move forward. And that is empowering, and that is powerful. As a, or maybe opposed to powerful, right? Would you rather be empowering, empowered, or powerful is maybe a better way to think about it, as opposed to mindful when using their power. 
And I also think that, again, it comes down to control. You know, it's the ability sometimes to allow people to sort things out for themselves. Going back to being a parent. You know, it's one of the things I've been learning going through this, you know, this journey as well that I've um, mentioned several times. Our instinct is to give the answer. Our instinct is to tell. Our instinct is to be able to dictate. You know, even when a child comes to us saying, help me, I need some help, I'm not sure what to do. The instinct for us as leaders, as parents, because we are leaders as parents, is to say, all right, this is what you should do. Do this, then do that, then do this, then do that. As opposed to saying, well, I don't know, what do you think What do you think we should do? What do you think? What do you recommend? But I came to you for help. Yes, I'm going to give you that help. I'm going to give you that feedback. But we're going to start off by you actually taking the first stab. You know, it's one of those things where leaders always say, don't come to me with a problem, come to me with a solution. If there is a problem, I want to know that you've already thought a little bit about what that solution looks like, regardless of whether we implement that or not. And an even better situation is, is someone who reports into you or a partner comes and says, this is the problem. Here are three different paths that we can pursue three different scenarios, three different solutions. I've done a bit of due diligence, and this is the one I recommend. Even better. Now, if we want to just take that one step further, there are two types of leaders in that situation, right? Or maybe three, if we're going with disrupt, uh, deliver, or destroy. Uh, The first one that says, all right, let's go with that. Let's give it a shot. Let's give it a bash benefit of the doubt, you've obviously thought this through, you're in it, you're in the muck, you're in the mire, you're in the dirt, so you're closest to it, versus one that goes, I don't think so, this is what we're going to do. So I'm not sure whether, you know, I mean, I think it's always on a need-to-know basis, isn't it, right? And then the final one, just to wrap this up, is this idea of Um, It's interesting, the leader who delivers understands the politics versus the leader who destroys, they are political. So there is an implicit um, assumption here that politics are there regardless. I concur, there are always politics. I've found that there are politics with with teams of two. You have a co-founder, Hell, there are politics in a marriage. There's politics with two. How do you know there are politics with two? Because I've mentioned this before. Imagine I have a business partner, right? And we're kind of irritating each other or we're undermining each other or whatever. We're both going to run to our spouses or our partners and complain about them. So, you know, they're politics. Are we really saying what we feel? Have we created you know, that goes back to this idea of sharing the maximum information they can versus sharing the minimum of information you can get away with. Do you withhold or do you share? Billy says, by the way, destructive mindsets are not creative. Oh, man, I've been listening to this podcast with Deepak Chopra, and he was just talking about um, creativity, and he had such an amazing definition of what creativity is. Um, but it is, I think he spoke about not destructive mindsets, Billy, but disruptive mindsets, that creativity by definition and by implication is disruptive. But yeah, we hear a lot about mindset. I love the fact that we're talking about mindfulness and mindset because we hear about scarcity mindsets and abundance mindsets, and now we've got destructive mindsets. And I suppose the opposite, right, let's talk about that. The mindset of a leader who destroys is a destructive mindset. The mindset of a leader who delivers is a what mindset? Is a reliable mindset, perhaps, or a pragmatic mindset. And then the mindset of a leader who disrupts. What mindset is that? That is a 
uh, probably a disruptive mindset or, or maybe a creative mindset. I kind of find the leader who delivers to not necessarily be the visionary. And that's fine. That's actually okay. In fact, it's very good. Because again, the mercurial, you know, Steve, Steve, like let's look at Steve Jobs, you know, in the time we have left. Steve Jobs probably shared the minimum information he could get away with. Steve Jobs probably used his power thoughtlessly. Steve Jobs probably used pressure, fear, and hierarchy to motivate. Steve Jobs was probably myopically focused on results. Um, I don't know about tolerating poor behavior. Let's go with stamping out poor behavior, whatever the result is. We've got to give him something. Um, I would say probably um, Steve reviewed wins and losses with equal passion and discipline. See, now I'm feeling bad. Um, I would say Steve definitely did not adjust goals in any direction. Um, Talking endlessly about responsibility versus accountability, I would say, again, we're we're back on leaders who destroy. Um, Frightened of losing their power versus mindful, probably frightened, and uh, probably political too. Um, So Steve was probably eight in destroy and two in deliver, if anything. But he really wasn't either. I mean, he was a leader who disrupts. And so he was in a different category. And I guess my point here is quite simple, um, which is there are are very few Steve Jobs in the world, thank God, because if there were more, the world would be in absolute agony and chaos. The visionary, this is not for the visionary. This is for, you know, a leader who has many, many reports um, it doesn't actually. It can be the leader of a small, medium, or large business. Um, but for most, for the most part, delivery versus destruction is a better framework um, than introducing the disruption. And 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 look, if we want to, if we want to, probably you know, just as a final, you know, sixty thirty ten or maybe seventy twenty ten. I think we go with this idea of 70% delivery, 20% destruction, 10% disruption. I'm not saying I recommend it, but I'm saying like ultimately there are going to be leaders who destroy that still, you know, find a way to win. Uh, but for the most part, that is, ex- that is um, you know, probably the way I would, I would summarize this is the norm is the leader who delivers the exception is the leader who destroys, and the exceptional is the leader who disrupts. So now I've got to figure out if I can actually build and update this whole thing using ChatGPT or not. Um, I got a feeling that there's a way to do it. Um, but that's going to be an exercise that I'm not going to try today because I'm working my you-know-what off um, to see how we go and 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 make sure that tomorrow's um, event in New York City is a successful one. The uh, POAP code is punch, um, you know, because, you know, leaders who destroy, uh, I guess, punch. I suppose you can punch anyway, punch above your weight, punch through mediocrity. Um, but anyway, that is your POAP for today. If you can do me a massive favor, wonderful people in the collective collective cafe, the collective cafe is continue to share information on tomorrow's event. Bit.ly forward slash business of web three is where you can register five to eight PM in New York City. If you are considering buying a full pass, uh, now is the time, my friends. There are twenty left at one ETH, and then we will Shut it down. We will shut it down. We will we will pause the contract and focus on Fiat at 2500. So there is definitely a little bit of a discount right now. It is also a first customer pass, which means that the price will be frozen in perpetuity. Um, so that's kind of a big deal. Um, so 20 of those left, and then um, and then we move forward with uh, with a Fiat based. Uh, mechanism because at the end of the day we're trying to bring in the normies uh, we're trying to bring in the execs um, and uh, regardless it's much harder for them to buy via crypto so you know it's kind of like a, it, it 
It's the nature of the beast. So I hope you have a wonderful day. Tomorrow being Wellness Wednesday, um, we will focus on, I already think I know what I want to talk about is this idea, you know, on a speaking of being personal and vulnerable, um, you know, tomorrow maybe my fear is no one will show up. Maybe 40 people will show up. I would love for 80 or 90 or 100 people to show up at the moment. We don't have that in registrations. So there's a lot of fear. And, and, and I guess the thought is, what if you literally have said, I've done everything I possibly can. I could not do any more. And still it wasn't enough. How do you reconcile that? How do you come to terms with that? How do you deal with that? How do you make peace with that uh, versus not at all? So that's what's on my mind for tomorrow. But of course, at any point in time, you can come up, you can join you can change the subject. Uh, we're all just hanging out in the coffee shop of, uh, of community, and, um, and I love it. Nowhere else I would rather be. Have a wonderful day, everyone. Bye-bye. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.